Hey, how's everybody doing? And welcome back to 125 Unfiltered, episode 42. And today I am back talking about the NBA playoffs. We are currently in the middle of the first round. Each series is four games in. And kind of like last episode, I'm going to go through each matchup and talk about uh, where I think that series will go from there and uh, give recaps of games three and four. One series has already ended in a sweep. A few series are tied up at two to two. So NBA playoffs, we are in the thick of it right now. And again, just like last episode, I'm going to break it all down for you. Starting in the Western Conference, Lakers and Suns. This series is tied up once again at two apiece. Lakers win game three in dominant fashion, but the Suns pull away in game four. Big story for the Lakers, Anthony Davis goes down with, I think it was either a groin injury or a hamstring injury. I'm, I'm leaning towards groin, uh, but regardless, Anthony Davis is unlikely to play in Game 5. This is huge news for the Lakers. This means that LeBron James is really going to have to carry the burden of the offense for Los Angeles. And for the Suns, Chris Paul looked like... The old Chris Paul scoring 18 and 9 assists in Game 4, leading the Suns to that win to tie up the series. But he said it uh, on a shot that he made in the middle of that game, I'm back. So I don't know if that means he's back as like his play is back or his shoulder is fully 100% or, or good enough to score like Chris Paul can uh, at, at the mid-range spot. So this is a really good series going on. It's going back to Phoenix for Game 5 as it appeared in Game 4. No Anthony Davis for Game 5 with that injury and Chris Paul kind of getting a little healthier with Devin Booker and Aiton playing at uh, pretty top form. My big question for the Lakers is who's going to step up? Who's going to step up and fill the role that Anthony Davis played scoring-wise? Is it going to be Schroeder? Is it going to be someone in the middle like Harrell or Drummond or Gasol? I can see Andre Drummond getting a massive uh, role in game five, especially down low because he's going to be their best scoring presence down there. I think he's going to need a monster game. He's going to need at least 20 and 10 for the Lakers to get by the Suns in game five. And also, obviously, LeBron James is going to have to have to have a monster, monster game without his uh, partner in crime in Anthony Davis. And for the Suns, what I think they need to do, obviously, you need to stop LeBron, but I think they just need to keep scoring. Uh, and that's kind of been a problem. Even though the trio uh, of the Suns with Booker, Aiton, and Paul played well, neither uh, none of them had above 20 points. I think they could use a little bit more scoring, but this Lakers defense obviously is really, really good uh, because I think the Suns have done a pretty good job defensively. They held the Lakers to under 100 points. The other day, I believe it was 192 in Game 4. But I, this is, again, this is just a really, really good series. I'm excited to see how it's all going to go down without Anthony Davis. In Game 5, I do have Phoenix winning tonight. I have Phoenix winning Game 5 because uh, of Chris Paul getting a little healthier, healthier, and I'm very confident in the way he played last time. And I believe that the, the Suns, they see their opportunity here. They're going to pounce on this. Uh, on this opportunity that the Lakers have presented due to the injury and uh, again it's gonna have to it's gonna take a, another Herculean effort from LeBron in my opinion to beat the Suns in Phoenix with that being said however I will now have the Lakers winning in seven when when Anthony Davis comes back in game six because trust me I think he will come back in an elimination game I can see this the Lakers beating the Suns twice in a row and come on guys it's LeBron he's done it before he, he's not going to go down in the first round that easily. So uh, I will adjust, obviously not going to adjust it on the main bracket because that is glued in or really sharpened in with permanent marker. 
But with the current analysis of the series right now, I have Lakers winning in seven, and I that's the big thing. Still have the Lakers, Lakers winning the series. Moving on to the other LA series, which is also two to two, the Clippers and the Mavericks. The Clippers, who looked dead in the water after game two, looked even more dead in the water in the first quarter, down 30 to 11 with around four minutes left in the first quarter. And then everything changed. Their defense ramped up. Their offense was getting going. Kawhi Leonard has been unbelievably efficient the past three games. Paul George is finding his shot. They're getting contributions from Reggie Jackson, Marcus Morris, and all of a sudden, the Clippers are tied 2-2 two to two when it looked like all hope was lost for this franchise. And that's why I have them as the most confusing team in the NBA. Because the first two games, they couldn't guard anybody. Couldn't guard Luka, couldn't guard the shooters. Games three and four after that uh, first quarter mark, especially game four, that defense really ramped up. I think, and here's where I'm going to give some credit to Ty Lue, that adjustment, going small, taking Zubac out of the game to prevent switching on the pick and roll, and putting in Nicholas Batum at the five, fantastic adjustment by Ty Lue. That's why you brought him in there. And he, you know, he's a championship coach. That's exactly what he needed to do. And we saw that it's working. Porzingis, even though he's 7-3, he is not a paint player. He's a stretch four. He's a stretch big who wants to shoot from the outside. And if you take Zubac out of the game and put in a guy like Batum and put a Reggie Jackson in the starting lineup with Leonard, George, and Marcus Morris, that is a very versatile starting five. They can switch. They can all play on the perimeter. You've got guys big enough to play down low if they want to. Uh, if Dallas wants to go down low, but this is an outside, an outside shooting team with a lot of good wing players and obviously Luca. A big story for the Mavericks has been their three-point shooting, especially in Game Four, five of thirty from the three-point line. Where in the first two games they were shooting above or around 50% from the three-point line. That is a huge, huge switch for Dallas, and if they want to win this series, they need to get it going again from the three-point line. Just want to touch on Kawhi Leonard real quick. He, again, has been extremely efficient. He's been phenomenal. I mean, this brings me back to his days in Toronto, just kind of scoring at will, getting to his spots, getting the shots that he want, and Paul George, quote, pandemic P, People like to call him. He's also playing really good basketball. Both of them are doing it in the past two games on both ends of the floor. Marcus Morris also found a little groove at the end of game three. I would like to see him kind of do it more consistently throughout the games. And this game five, just like the Lakers, it's a huge, huge game because I think if the Clippers win game five, I think they've got the series. I said the series was over in favor of the Mavericks. It could be against the Mavericks if they lose game five. And then lastly, the Luka neck strain is a big story for me. Uh, apparently, there's nerve damage. I think he's gonna be. I think he's gonna be fine. But we saw that he was in a little bit of pain, and that can affect. The, that little pain can affect you at the end of the day. Uh, unfortunate that we're seeing a few stars in this league getting hurt during the playoffs. CP3, Anthony Davis, now Luka. We don't want to see that. Hopefully, he uh, can get okay because he has dominated some parts of the series, especially early on. For Dallas to turn this thing around, one, they need to make their shots. Dorian Finney-Smith has kind of struggled a little bit. Hardaway has obviously been pretty good, and I think Porzingis, he needs to show up. He had a very meaningless 18 points the other night. He needs to actually be a presence uh, down low, defensively, and on the scoring sheet. This is, a, again, another really good series. 
I had the Clippers in six. I'm going to roll with it. I think the Clippers can win these next two games. I mean, Kawhi Leonard's done it. In Toronto, he was down 2-0. They make adjustments, and they win four straight. Same, I think, can happen, because if the Mavericks don't hit their shots and they don't slow down Kawhi Leonard, the series will go to the Clippers. Now it is the Mavericks' turn to shut down the Clippers' star player. Blazers Nuggets, also 2-2. Two two. Still have not watched much of the uh, the series, mainly because their games are kind of late. But seeing some highlights, uh, I liked how they overcame Damian Lillard's really bad shooting night. I believe he was 1-10. for 10. Former Raptor Norman Powell putting up 29-11-15 shooting in that victory. That was huge for the Blazers. They won that game by 20. Game 3 was a bigger story in my opinion with Austin Rivers scoring 16 points in the 4th quarter showing that he can be a closer for this team without Jamal Murray. Nikola Jokic is still a monster inside. Portland has no one to stop him. I still have Blazers in 7. I think the Nuggets can win this one. I'm going to give this game to the Blazers though. I think the Blazers can go up 2-2. Or it can go up 3-2. I believe Denver will bounce back in Game 6. And it's going to be another Game 7 like we saw the other time. And without Jamal Murray, I just don't think this Denver team has enough scoring. Michael Porter Jr., I still think he needs to be better. He needs to be a bigger presence scoring-wise. He needs to be this number 2 option for Jokic. And for the Blazers, I really like the support that Damian Lillard is getting from his wing players. I really like what Norman Powell has done, what CJ McCollum has done, Carmelo Anthony. And that's why I'm sticking with the Blazers in seven, because I believe in the Blazers supporting cast more than the Denver Nuggets. The guards are still a question mark for me. Michael Porter Jr. can show up on any given night, but he can even be an absolute no-show on any given night. Too inconsistent for me to believe in Denver without Jamal Murray. Even though Austin Rivers had that really good game in Game 3, how is he going to show up in a Game 6 or Game 7 when the pressure is really on? Again, it's a supporting cast thing for me because Jokic is going to do his thing. Damian Lillard on most nights is going to do his thing. So it's which supporting cast do I believe in more? And again, it is Portland for me. And then lastly in the Western Conference, the Utah Jazz are up 3-1 on the Memphis Grizzlies. They are backfiring on all cylinders with Donovan Mitchell back in the lineup. But before I get into him, because he had a nice 30 points last night, Jordan Clarkson contributed 24 as well. The big X factor for me, for Utah, Mike Conley. Now, I feel like I've said this on the record a couple times. I am a huge Mike Conley fan. But what he has done in this series and against his own team, or not his own team, his old team, who he played for Memphis for around a decade, what he has done has been spectacular. This is the real Mike Conley that Utah has needed they needed him in the last playoffs, which he kind of showed up in a couple games, but not fully. Mike Conley is going to take this team to the Western Conference Finals. He put up 27 and 8 assists in Game 3. He made 7 threes. Only had 11 points last night, but had 7 assists and had a huge 3 to extend their lead when Memphis was really pushing them. Because Memphis is playing them pretty close. But his, the way he controls the game and sets up this offense takes so much pressure off of Donovan Mitchell. He doesn't have to do it all. Last year against Denver, Mitchell felt like he had to do it all, especially without Bojan Bogdanovic. But this year, Conley is taking a lot 
of the offensive responsibilities in terms of playmaking, scoring, and just overall setting up the offense. And I love it. I love his game. I love how poised and consistent he is. In my opinion, he is the most underrated player in the league and has been for the last decade. The fact that he just made an all-star game is criminal. He has done this year after year after year. He did it in Memphis with uh, the grit and grind team. He did it after that team and when they were barely competing for a playoff spot. And he is doing it in Utah. And I love to see it because I love Mike Conley. He's a really good player. And he's showing why. And just, again, the level of consistency that he has shown throughout his career. I am a huge fan of it. And I love his performances recently, again, against his former ball club. But getting into the Jazz overall, Donovan Mitchell looks pretty good. That angle looks like it's holding up pretty well. I like Jordan Clarkson, uh, his game off the bench so far. I think he's going to be a, a huge piece against the Clippers or the Mavericks because this is uh, both of those teams will definitely, uh, or the Clippers defensively will be a problem uh, for Utah. And then the Mavericks offensively will definitely put up a lot of points. So I think Utah's going to need Clarkson uh, off the bench no matter what to extend past that second round that has evaded them for, for some time now, or to get past the second round. Gobert's obviously been pretty good in the paint. I, I just, this is just a really good Jazz team, and it's they are still, still not talked about on television. It behooves me for why no one is talking about the Utah Jazz. Do, is, do they not believe in, it's just, oh, they're just a one seed. So we're just going to overlook them because they don't have that star player. They have a star. His name is Donovan Mitchell. They have multiple all-stars on this team. They are well-coached. They play defense. They play offense. They have good ball movement. They hit three-pointers. What's not to like about this Utah team? And I want them to get more attention, and that's why I'm rambling on about them for around three to four minutes. I believe they'll close out the series in Utah. They'll win four to one. If not, they're going to win in six. This series is not going seven, but I do want to give respect to the Memphis Grizzlies. John Morant and Dylan Brooks, they have played super, super hard. Again, they've played the Jazz close in most games, um, really making the Jazz having to play in clutch time and uh, have some some huge possessions to decide the game, which they have converted on with that Conley three in game four, with the Donovan Mitchell three in game three. Memphis is just a couple of pieces away. They're right there. But they do need a couple more good players. But this is a really good foundation for Memphis. And even if they lose game five or game six, because they're not going to make it past this round at this 3-1 deficit, this series, this season has been a success for Memphis. Now we go to the Eastern Conference. These series have just not been as good. A lot more lopsided. The East has been extremely top-heavy this year. It's going to be a great thing in the next couple rounds. But in the first round is made for a very, very dull uh, first round. That's why I talked about the West so much. Won't be talking about the East as much because in some series, there just aren't as much. An example of that, the Milwaukee Bucks. They swept the Miami Heat. They curb stomped Miami. This team is just different. They're playing really well. Giannis is doing his thing. Middleton is making a lot of outside shots. And again, Drew Holiday is so instrumental for this team's success going forward. Brooke Lopez is doing pretty good. DiVincenzo is a big blow, though. Losing him for the season, I don't like that, but I like how Bryn Forbes has stepped up in place of DiVincenzo. So this Milwaukee team, they can really give the uh, Brooklyn a run for their money. 
We'll see, obviously, if the Nets can finish off their series, which I believe is going to be tonight or tomorrow. Uh, we'll get into them a little bit later. Now, in terms of the Miami Heat, Jimmy Butler just simply didn't show up. He had, like, only four shots in, I think, three of the games. He just wasn't being aggressive, wasn't really showing that he's the star that he is doing or putting up the performances like he did against LeBron James in the finals last year. They just fell flat in games two, three, and four. After that really close game in game one where it looked like, hey, Miami's going to do this again. They're going to upset the Bucs once again. That's why the game one win was so huge when Middleton hit that shot, gave Bucks the confidence, and I think it kind of deflated Miami, and they just got mollywhopped. They got demolished from games two on out. Big regression from Tyler Hero as well. I don't really know what happened to him this season. Maybe it was the COVID uh, situation because I know he had to sit out for a 14-day period. I'm not sure, but they want they need to get him back in shape. I think he needs to be inserted into the starting lineup next year. I think going to the bench wasn't good for him psychologically. I know Kendrick Nunn's a free agent as well. And I'll talk into, get into free agent talk when that time comes. But I think the Miami Heat need to seriously consider letting Kendrick Nunn walk or doing a sign-and-trade. I just think they have too many guys in that backcourt. With him, Drogic, Hero, Robinson, obviously Jimmy Butler, I think one of them's got to go. And Hero's potential, his ceiling is really, really high. And Robinson is just a sniper. And obviously Drogic is getting old, but he's a good vet. Maybe Kendrick Nunn doesn't fit in this, in this equation for Miami, because they have a lot of things to figure out. Jimmy Butler's eligible for an extension. He locked up Bam last offseason. I think this team could get younger. I don't think they have a first-round pick for this upcoming year. So this is going to be a big offseason for Miami because with that performance, they are not close to the top of the Eastern Conference. Nets, Celtics. Nets are up 3-1. This big three, they are just insane offensively. 104 points in Game 4. One bright, star, or one brought, uh, one bright spot. Uh, excuse me, for Boston, is Jason Tatum. Put up 50 in their Game 3 win. This guy's just a star. So good offensively. He just has an absolute arsenal uh, on the offensive side of the, uh, of the floor. They really miss Jalen Brown right now. You just can't expect that much out of Boston. But with those two guys, they can build a good core around them. But the Nets are going to win that one in five. Sixers and Wizards, kind of the same situation. That Wizards are or Sixers are up 3-1. Wizards won game four last night with Joel Embiid getting injured. He is out for game five, or he is doubtful for game five, which means he most likely won't play game five because the Sixers are going to wrap this up at home and win the series four to one. Sixers were able to, or, or the, sorry, the Wizards were able to get a win to not get swept, but uh, the Sixers have bigger things to worry about with Atlanta or New York coming up. And a bigger thing to worry about if you are the Sixers, Ben Simmons. Now, I have talked about Ben Simmons a couple times on the show individually. Actually raved about him a little bit for his Game 2 performance. The free throws. He is shooting 25% from the free throw line. That is abysmal. That is worse than Shaq. That is worse than Wilt Chamberlain. And this is the guy who needed to step up for Joel Embiid yesterday 
because Embiid got hurt and he's not coming back. He's probably not going to be back for game five. I wouldn't see him coming back for game six because if the Sixers blow a 3-0 lead to the Washington Wizards, I don't know what I would do. They've got this series wrapped up and Embiid needs to focus on getting healthy for the next series. So what does Simmons do? Four or five shooting? 13 points? Only three assists? And again, five of 11 from the free throw line. Ben Simmons needs to figure out this jump shot. It is unbelievable. He is going to hold this team back from competing for a championship and possibly winning one. Now, an 8 of 24 performance from Tobias Harris for only 21 points, that does not help at all. But Ben Simmons, who is a proclaimed star in this league, who is a jump shot away from being a mini version of LeBron, it's a problem. No, you can't bench him in the late game. He just needs to work on it. So good defensively. Just absolute, a great passer. Such good vision. But this one glaring problem, the elephant in the room for Ben Simmons, he's not fixing it. And it's going to cost them coming up. When they play the Brooklyn Nets, when they play the Milwaukee Bucks, I mean, there's no need to guard Ben Simmons until he gets to the paint. Absolutely not. So even though the Sixers are going to win this series pretty easily, that is a huge concern for me coming up for Philadelphia. And then the last series, the Knicks versus the Hawks. Knicks are losing 3-1. Atlanta won both of their games at home in the State Farm Arena. Atlanta just has more talent. Trey Young has been phenomenal all series long. He's showing why he is a star, uh, like I said in the last series. But Julius Randle is just playing awful right now. But people need to understand this, though. Julius Randle has had a fantastic season. But when you're the number one option on a team that doesn't have that much scoring, you're going to get doubled. You're going to get tripled. You're going to be... All those easy shots that you can get in the regular season, you're not going to get those in the playoffs. You can trap down low, especially when he's a guy who needs to dominate in the paint. Atlanta has forced him to take tough outside jumpers. He has failed to convert. He has clearly shown his frustration. And it has led to poor performances and the Knicks losing. RJ Barrett, same thing. Game three, he was horrible. Needs to develop a better shot from the outside. And it's just amazing how Derrick Rose is this team's best player right now. The Derrick Rose who has been kind of written off as a, as a star player. He's showing that he's still, he's still got it. Derrick Rose still has it 1,000%. He's putting up 30. He's averaging about 22 in the series, I think. But overall, it was a, it was a battle between talent and team cohesion. Atlanta had more talent. The Knicks really played together. They were grinding out wins. They were full of grit. But in the end, talent is going to win out. Because Trey Young is playing at his highest level. Guys like DeAndre Hunter, he's playing really solid defense. Bogdanovich is playing all right, even though he had that really bad game too. Still got guys like Herter, John Collins, Capella. They are all contributing. And I'm impressed. Nate McMillan has done a really good job. He's done a great job defensively stopping Randall and forcing the Knicks to make shots from the outside, knowing the fact that the Knicks do not have outside shot makers. And that's the big story. 
Atlanta can score, and the Knicks currently cannot. Now, saying that, I have the Knicks winning game five. I think they're going back to MSG, and they're going to be hungry to get this win. Capella's talking trash about he's going to send him on vacation. I think the Knicks bounce back on this one. But when it goes back to Atlanta, I think that's where the road ends for the New York Knicks. I've got Atlanta winning this one now in six. And, it's, and I believe it's going to be the Sixers and the Hawks facing off in round two. And the Hawks deserve it. Once again, they, have, they are the better team. They have played better in this series. But I think the Knicks can girt one out in game five. They're going to have the crowd behind them. And a Tibbs team isn't going to go down without a fight. But even if you lose game five, Knicks fans, it was still a great season. It was still a success. Monster improvements. You're finally relevant again. But it is glaringly obvious that this team is one or two pieces away, and they are going to need a guy in free agency. Is it going to be a DeMar DeRozan? Is it going to be trading for someone like a Bradley Beal, who I don't think is going to be on the trade block like he has been in past off seasons? I don't know. We'll have to find out, but you know we'll see what happens with this next series moving forward. And that's going to be it for today's episode. Probably going to have an episode going, not probably, I am definitely going to be having an episode, I will give you assurance on that, an episode going over the entire first round, and it's looking like it's going to be with another guest, going to have another guest episode coming up probably around Sunday when the series, when all the first round series will be over. But with that being said, thank you so much for listening to 125 Unfiltered, and I'll talk to you next time.